Hey all you gamblers, sports addicts, and overall degenerates. You're listening to the Angry Degenerate Podcast. Your one-stop shop for sports hot takes and primo gambling picks. And now, the voice behind the laugh heard round the world. <laughs> the Angry Degenerate. And welcome to the Angry Degenerate Podcast. I am your returning, defending, angry, degenerate, Michael Alexandria. I'm back, bitches. After, what is it now, a five-week layoff? Call it whatever you want. A break, a mental health break, or maybe I'm just being fucking lazy and now I'm back to doing what I've been meant to be doing. Boy, have I missed a shit ton of things, man. Everything from the Giants getting eliminated in the postseason by the hated rivals, the Dodgers, too. The Dodgers and their fans thinking they were going to steamroll the fuck out of the Braves. And guess what? The Braves steamrolled the Dodgers and then went on. As an 88-win team to win the World Series. A team that was 44-44 and at some point in time. A team that had lost one of the best players in Major League Baseball, Ronald Acuna Jr. Everyone had him for dead. And just like The Undertaker, they got right back up. And they took the damn thing and they beat the Houston Astros in the World Series. What an accomplishment. 44 and 44 at one point in the season. They had to trade for Jock Peterson. They had to trade for Jorge Soled. They had to bring in Adam Duvall. And those damn motherfuckers did it. No, I I can guarantee you nobody had the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series unless you're an Atlanta Braves fan. So congrats to them. Now, touching on my Giants for a second. They were the biggest surprise of the year, I guess, outside of the Braves winning the World Series. They won 107 games. Most publications had them winning 70 games. They beat those expectations by 30-plus games. They played a tough series against the Dodgers. And the better team won. I ain't afraid to admit it. The better team won. You just look at the damn series. The Giants couldn't score a damn run if it slapped them in the face. Their home run power went out the window. Now, I do think they should have went for the jugular in game four and should have put Logan Webb out there. They didn't do that. They followed their method that worked for them. And, of course, they uh, lost in game five. Nothing to be shamed about. They didn't get whipped. They didn't get owned by a severely much more talented Dodger team. But uh, at the end of the day, they lost. I'm very happy about the season that they had. It wasn't a championship-winning season. But it was, by golly, the best giant season I have seen since those World Series years. By far, by far, by far. Now, one thing coming out of Giants camp, Buster Posey, he retired. Now, when I, I kind of posted about this on TikTok. When I think of the Giants in that era, that 2010 to 2016 era, that three, the three and five championships, The players that are synonymous with that team, Tim Lincecum, 
Madison Bumgarner, Matt Cain, and Buster Posey. And I became a Giants fan because of Barry Bonds. But when I think of those teams in the 2000s, what I think of immediately is Buster Posey. The leader, the heartbeat of the team. An MVP. When I think of Buster Posey, I think of that series against the Dusty Baker-led Cincinnati Reds who had Joey Votto as MVP. Down 2 nothing in the series. They go to Great American Ballpark. They tie up the series 2-2. Game 5, Buster Posey hits a grand slam and ushers the new giant the giants era what a fantastic memory i have of buster posey now there's things out there of is he going to be in the hall of fame is he not i don't know i definitely don't think he'll be a first ballot hall of famer catchers by far are the least recognized position in the baseball hall of fame catchers just don't get that respect and i don't know why because a catcher is the field general on the baseball field. And I hope Buster Posey ushers in a new era where hopefully he gets elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame and now you see other catchers make it into the Hall of Fame. The Munsons of the world. The Yadier Molinas who probably, if Buster doesn't make it, I don't see how Yadier makes it, to be honest with you. The Jorge Posadas. The fact that Jorge Posada is not in the Hall of Fame is a slap in the face. He's a guy, not the leader, because that goes to Jeter, but he was a crucial aspect of those late 90s, early 2000s teams that went, that won three or four World Series or went to went to four straight World Series, won three of those. I hope Buster Posey ushers into a new era. I think what's going to help him is that, by far, he had that peak of five to six years where he was by far the best catcher in baseball. He had an MVP to boot with that. He's a field general. Great with the pitching staff. Gold Glove Award winner. So I think that'll help him a bit. I don't. Th- what will not help him is he didn't play long enough. Some of the later years, uh, his, I would say, 2017 to 2019 years were pretty apathetic. He sat out 2020, came back in 2021 this year, the last stand, and had an amazing year. And uh, I'm glad that I went to Dodger Stadium and I got to see one of his last home runs. It's great times, great times. So my hat's off to Buster Posey. He wants to go back to Georgia, coach his son's baseball team. Catchers, you know how it is with catchers. Their legs are pudding by the end of the year. And I'm, and after you know being a catcher for 12 years, that's that's it's gonna happen. Uh, but my hat's off to him. One of the classiest guys in professional sports. Uh, what else did I miss? The Raiders. Henry Ruggs. 156 miles an hour. RIP to the woman that lost her life. Because this imbecile who's a multi-million dollar athlete could not hire a personal driver. Could not order an Uber. He drove 156 miles an hour, and he killed that woman. 
he's people a lot of people out there oh well you know Dante Stallworth he he played another down he played after he killed somebody eh, slightly different scenario he didn't have a loaded gun in the car he wasn't driving 156 miles an hour the guy that he killed was not on a crosswalk and it was the morning after so he was kind of hung over from the day before but still drunk not excusing it but completely different scenarios he got away with manslaughter a couple days in jail henry ruggs with the visual of a burning car him crying on the side and the woman screaming burning alive he's going to jail for a very long time and all reports out there the guy was a nice guy you know he that doesn't matter. One mistake sometimes defines a life and sometimes ends another. And that's what happened in this situation. I don't think Henry Ruggs being rich will have anything to do with this. I think he's going away for a long time. Whether it be 20 years, whether it be 15 years, whatever it is. His career, his football career is over. But for sure, his career as his life. By the time he gets out, he's not going to have millions of dollars. It's just a sad end. And it kind of, and this is, seems to be like a snowball effect around this year for the Raiders because just two days ago, or was it yesterday, in that same draft, I believe, could be wrong, maybe it was the draft before, David Arnett also released. He was online on Instagram Live or Facebook Live with his guns out, threatening somebody to kill them. He got released. The difference between Arnett and Ruggs is <laughs> Ruggs was a little bit more talented. Arnett, I think, is... The, the jury was not out on Arnett. He sucked. And it was a bad pick by John Gruden and company. Speaking of which, I missed out on the whole John Gruden fiasco. Now, I've been chiming on this podcast and on my social media channels that I think and where I knew... John Gruden was not the man for the job. And maybe the Raiders got lucky with all this shit coming out because John Gruden is just not a very good head coach. And now, I guess he's a racist and hates gays on top of it. Now, it could just be, you know, he's sending emails and, you know, locker room tuck, as one of our presidents used to say. What, whatever it be, you're the head coach of an organization. You got to be a little bit more careful. John Gruden was not careful. John Gruden was a cocky motherfucker with $100 million that he thought he had in the bank. Now, he still got a settlement. A lot less than probably what he anticipated. But in my opinion, the Raiders got to get out of free jail card here. John Gruden sucks. It's quite obvious that in the two games proceeding after him getting fired, the Raiders looked fantastic. Now, of course, this week they lost against the New York Football Giants because that eventually you tag on the John Gruden thing. You tag on the Henry Ruggs thing. Then you now you tag on the David Arnett thing. It's a little bit too much for a fucking team to handle. Now, we'll see the true test of the team now going forward because it seems like around this time, year after year, now the third year in a row, the Raiders start floundering. What was it? Two years ago, they started 6-2, six 6-3. And six and missed the playoffs. Last year, they started 6-2, six 6-3. Six don't quote me on it. 
it was roughly around there. They missed the playoffs. This year, they're 5-2. and two. And they lost the game, bad game, against the Giants. Now they go to Kansas City. Now Kansas City ain't what they used to be. I don't care what any Kansas City Chiefs fan says. They are not that team that won that Super Bowl two years ago. They're worse defensively. And they can't even rely on their offense to pick them back up anymore. Something's off there. Maybe it's just Andy Reid having a bad year. Maybe it's just Patrick Mahomes having a bad year. Because those things happen. Those things happen. Brady has had bad years. Now, do I still think the Chiefs will make the postseason? Absolutely. But I don't know if they're going to be in prime position to take that Super Bowl this year. Because, like I said, their defense is pretty freaking terrible now they look better this week but they were playing Jordan Love which brings me to another topic that I missed Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID and it otherwise wouldn't have been a news story if this stupid motherfucker didn't say earlier in the year that he was immunized so and he used his words carefully because Aaron Rodgers likes to think he's better and smarter than most people in the world he thinks he's a an intellectual I don't know how how much of an intellectual you can be from Chico California I know some people from Chico California not the smartest fucking people now I know he went to Cal but hey he didn't graduate from Cal we know he just went there to go play, get drafted in the first round. That's what all them fools do. Think of Keenan Allen. Think of uh, Marshawn Lynch. Let's be honest here. Now, Aaron Rodgers thinks he's smarter than most people in the room. He went out on the Pat McAfee show and said a lot of lies, apparently, because the NFL is saying, hey, uh, we didn't have you speak to our doctors. We didn't say that. Now he went out there and said he's getting advice from Joe Rogan. But the thing that got me is that he has that entitlement that he can get away with the rules that all the other teams are abiding by. Whether the rules are stupid or not. I think the rules are stupid, to be honest with you. Let's let's put it on the table here. I don't give a fuck that he's not vaccinated. I don't care about all that shit. Vaccinated, unvaccinated. Carson Wentz is not vaccinated. I see him with a mask on the sidelines every damn game. I see him on the podium when he throws three stupid picks a game. With a mask on. Now, whether you think those rules are stupid, okay, they might be stupid. But there's rules you need to follow. Aaron Rodgers thinks he's above the rules because he's Aaron fucking Rodgers. And dating back to the offseason, at first, I was on Aaron Rodgers' side. Because you look at it. Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls. He wanted to get the fuck out of... New England because he wanted a little bit of say on what's going on. He goes to Tampa. He gets all his guys there. They win a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers sees that. He's like, well, why the fuck can I not have the same damn thing? I'm the reigning defending MVP. So I kind of agreed with him on that point. But now you add that and then you add this and it's just like, come on, my dude. Have you been spending way too much time in Malibu and Hollywood smoking that ganja or doing whatever the fuck you're doing with all these Hollywood elites where you just think you're better than people? Because that's what it's coming off of. That's what that's what's, that's what what it's coming out as. 
Now, Jordan Love played this week, and he was pitiful. Which leads me to believe that Aaron Rodgers ain't going anywhere from Green Bay. Because how the hell can you hit your franchise on Jordan Love when he put in that performance against a very struggling Kansas City defense? <laughs> you just can't. So I think suffice to say, Aaron Rodgers, whether you like it or not, whether you like his personality or not, whether you think he's draconian, whether you think he's smarter than people, smarter than a lot of people, he's here to stay. But I'm going to shit on him every step of the way because Aaron Rodgers has been getting on my nerves. But whatever. Moving on here. I, just an FYI, I'm not going to do my picks of the week or dumbasses of the week. I'm just going to touch on things I missed and kind of moving on to the future here. The last time I recorded my podcast, I believe the 49ers were in decent prime position for a postseason. I believe they were 2-1, and one, maybe 2-2. Two and two. Things have turned south quickly in Santa Clara for the San Francisco 49ers because this team is a shadow of its former self. And and like I said, maybe with Andy Reid, where maybe he's having a bad year calling plays, or maybe they're just having a bad year there in Kansas City. But Kansas City's bad years, they're 5-4. and four. <laughs> The 49ers are... Are three and five and sitting last place in their division, coming off of a loss. Which, by the way, coming into the game, I was like, I was saying, man, they really needed this break. No Kyler, no DeAndre Hopkins, you know, you know, no AJ Green, no JJ Watt. He's out for the year. They just caught a break here because they just came off of a pretty decent win against the Chicago Bears. Now Chicago sucks, but. A win is a win. You only play who's in front of you. Now I say, okay, where the 49ers are are three and four. They're heading into playing a Arizona team at home who's battered and beaten down after a game against the Green Bay Packers. Niners have this in the bag. Vegas thought so. Look at the odds on that game. And guess what? The 49ers of pretty much the entire Kyle Shanahan era, Sands that Super Bowl year showed up. They looked pitiful. They looked like they couldn't tackle a soul. They were blown out by Colt motherfucking McCoy, a guy who has six starts since 2014, a guy who's a career backup, a guy who's a journeyman, a guy who played like he was slinging it against Texas Tech. With the, when he was back in college with the Texas Longhorns. It was pitiful. The Niners couldn't tackle an open field. And to his credit, Jimmy G didn't look that bad. But can I really give Jimmy G any credit for this game when he couldn't put any solid drives together? And he's putting his wide receivers and his tight end in danger play after play after play. I mean, god damn, I have never seen a fucking player com- constantly put... His receivers in peril when they catch a damn ball. Everything is high. The guys have to jump up and they're getting beat down. It's Things are crumbling in San Francisco right now. And it's not going to get any easier. Because they play the Rams this week. A very heated 
Rams team on Monday Night Football who's coming off of an upset loss against the Derrick Henry-less Titans at home, by the way. I thought, well, maybe, you know, Rams win that game. Maybe they come in to San Francisco or Santa Clara, Levi Stadium, and they have their guard down. Kyle Shanahan's 4-0 in his last four starts against the Rams. It's not going to happen. The Rams are going to come in hungry. And the 49ers haven't won a damn home game, I believe, since the NFC title game against the Green Bay Packers in 2019. That's damn near two years. And I don't consider those wins in Arizona a home game. I consider the wins in, at Levi Stadium a home game. And luckily, the one saving grace out of all this, and it might not even so saving grace anymore because Russell Wilson is back, which means we're going to have to face him in Seattle on December 5th, a game that I will be at. The 49ers are sitting dead last in their division at 3-5. and five. And like I said, the one saving grace here is that the NFC is so weak at the moment, so weak that they have that the 49ers are contending with the Bears at three and six, the Vikings at three and five, the Seahawks at three and five, and the Giants and the Eagles who are three and six for the final two wild card spots. Now, we know that the Cowboys are going to win the division, even though they had a terrible loss against Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos at home. The Dallas Cowboys, I've been hyping them up a little bit this season, but they haven't beat a damn soul besides the Chargers. And they got blown out, beat down, by a very, very unimpressive Broncos team who up until that point hadn't really beaten anybody. And Vic Fangio is on the hot seat. We'll see what happens with those Broncos, but Vic Fangio may have saved his job. We'll see. But the 49ers, the Cowboys are going to win that division. It's looking like the Rams or the Seahawks or the Rams or the Cardinals are going to win the position. The other one's going to take the wild card, so that'll be wild card number one. And then for the last two wild card spots, it's going to be all these mediocre garbage teams fighting out for the two wild card spots. Seattle, who I probably think will get that second wild card spot. So then that means the last wild card spot will be fought between the Bears, who the 49ers already beat, the Vikings, who kind of really suck, the Giants, and the Eagles, who the 49ers already beat. So the 49ers already beat the Bears, and they beat the Eagles. And the 49ers still have some semi-easy matchups, but nothing's really easy for the 49ers at this point in time against the Jags. And Houston coming up. But, I mean, nothing's easy for the 49ers at this moment. Kyle Shanahan, I think something needs to be done here. I certainly don't think he will get fired. I don't think he will get fired. Uh, it, 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 it's not going to happen. He's not going to get fired. 
But there needs to be some pressure put here. The display put on this past week against the Arizona Cardinals was pitiful. The penalty put on by Josh Norman, that guy should not be on the team anymore. There needs to be a message sent that that shit is not tolerated. This is a guy that they found off the fucking street, a street free agent. He has no equity in the team. They didn't draft him. Norman can't run anymore. He can't cover anymore. Now, he's physical. He can. He's had a couple turnovers, but he's had a couple costly PI calls. But you know what? Who can also make that same amount of production? The fucking people that Kyle drafted, Lenore and Avery Thomas. Why don't you put your draft picks at the, out there? I think something needs to be done. I think he needs to either rate, either focus strictly on coaching and not on the personnel side of the things and give the full reins to John Lynch or something needs to happen there because he seems way in over his head at the moment. Way in over his head at the moment. And I think he needs to stick to what his bread and butter is and is focusing on the game plan and focusing on the play calling. And at this point in time, I mean... The whole reasoning to have Jimmy Garoppolo start the season and play the season is that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give us the best chance to win. Well, at this point in time, you're 3-5. and five, And unless you're holding out hopes that maybe, perhaps, you'll get that last wild card spot, it's time to look for the future, my friend, and put in Trey Lance. Now, say what you want about that performance he had against Arizona. The 49ers should have probably won that game. It was a 17-10 game. That was the final score. And Trey brought a different dynamic to the offense that Jimmy will never, ever bring, which is that dual threat. Now, is he accurate? No. Does he have a long-ass windup? Yes, but that's something that's going to be fixed and going to need to be fixed in the offseason. But what Trey Lance needs is playing time to become better. Because he has had very minimal playing time dating back to his career at North Dakota State. He played one game in that second year at North Dakota State. So this notion that Jimmy gives us the best chance to win, yeah, maybe against scrub teams, but against... These big boy opponents like the Rams or perhaps Arizona? Put him out there. Let's see what he can do. Bad year by Kyle Shanahan. And something needs to change. Heads need to roll. I certainly don't think he's going to be fired. But something needs to change. Regardless of that. Moving on, I kind of already touched on the Packers. You know, after that one week... In week one, they look legit. Cardinals, they look legit. The Rams, they look legit. But there is a little bit of, uh, you know, in these big primetime games, Matthew Stafford has looked like the Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Something to look out for. Now, I'm not saying that Matthew Stafford is bad or anything because, I mean, if you look at his statistics, he's a fucking MVP candidate at this point in time. And I'm sure Sean McVay over there in L.A. is... Loving the fact that he has Stafford over the dumpster fire that is Jared Goff with the 0-8 Detroit Lions. 
But just keep an eye on that. Those big games. Matthew Stafford has not risen up to the occasion against the Titans, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He just hasn't lived up to the expectations at those games. Actually, take that away. I think he actually did beat uh, Tom Brady. There was another primetime game, though, out there that I can't remember that he didn't live up. But suffice to say, the Rams look very impressive. Uh, They're scoring points. They have the second most points scored in the NFC behind the Cardinals. And, uh, And that's really what it is. But... Moving on to the AFC. Zach Wilson. I think that might be a problem there in in New York Jets land. Didn't look good in all his games playing, pretty much in all his games playing with the Jets. Maybe Mike White comes in, lights it up, has a good start against the Colts, then gets injured. There was a lot of concerns about Zach Wilson come out that, you know, he might not be ready for the bright lights of New York City. And my one thing about the Jets this year was that you need to come out of this season knowing that this guy, Zach Wilson, that you spent a number two overall pick on is the guy going forward. And right now, we kind of do not know if that is the case. And that's bad. That's really bad. That could set a franchise back years And knowing the Jets, they don't need to be sent back any further. Patriots are 5-4. Mac Jones is... I'm not going to say he's impressing, but he's he's doing things that doesn't cost them games. He's managing the game. And at this point in time, for a rookie young quarterback like that, that's what you need. Like they said, he was the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft in the first round, and... At this point in time, it's proven like it because you look at Justin Fields there with Chicago behind a bad offensive line. He's getting thrown around like a ragdoll. And Trey Lance is not playing. Zach Wilson, meh. So for all that, I mean, does he have the highest ceiling of the quarterbacks? Probably not. This is probably the Mac Jones you're going to see for the entirety of his career. Maybe a little bit better as the years go on, but... Definitely doesn't have that high ceiling that you would want out of your first-round draft pick. But right now, he has the Patriots in contention in a wild-card spot. I already kind of touched on the Raiders. Chargers, Chargers, leading their division at 5-3. and three. And I kind of don't know what to make of the Chargers. They really impress me some weeks, and then other weeks they just really lay an egg. Like, they impressed me against the Raiders. They laid an egg against the Cowboys, which I guess, you know, they really should have probably won that game. They played that great game against, what was it, the Browns? They beat the Chiefs? But, man, I just love that quarterback that they had there. I wish Justin Herbert is a guy, man. Like, he just looks like when you draw up a stereotypical strong arm quarterback, that's Justin Herbert. <laughs> Which leads me to the two and seven Dolphins. What a dumpster fire that organization is. 
And I'm thinking it's going to lead either to their general manager getting fired or their head coach being fired because it looks like the owner starting to meddling, me, the owner is starting to meddle into things, and he's starting to say, "Hey, I want Deshaun Watson in here. He's the guy that wanted Deshaun Watson in here." Obviously, they didn't get Deshaun Watson by the deadline because Houston didn't want to um, make any concessions. I think there was like a deal on the table where the uh, Dolphins would get, because they have a shit ton of draft capital because they're doing this saber metrics thing of quite opposite of the Rams and stacking up draft capital. But here's the thing. If you do nothing with that draft capital, what the fuck is the point of the draft capital? Well, Regardless of the point, they have a shit ton of draft picks. And they were going to say, hey, we'll give you three first-round picks. But, hey, if this guy can't play or he gets banned by the commissioner or or if he gets arrested, those first-round picks go back to us. And, of course, Houston didn't sign off on that. Why would they? There's going to be a desperate team in the offseason that's going to trade for Deshaun Watson because there's really no strong quarterbacks coming out in the draft, and there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Just look up and down this list. The Dolphins are most likely going to need a quarterback. The Broncos are most likely going to need a quarterback. The Pittsburgh Steelers are most likely going to need a quarterback. The Browns are probably, I mean, in my opinion, the Browns would be so stupid to pay Baker Mayfield 40 to $50 million. He does not deserve it. I know that that front office there runs on these sabermetrics similar to baseball. I can see them doing something where they try to trade Baker Mayfield and try to gain draft capital because I think they could get similar production from an average-style quarterback. And the whole thing in the NFL is if if Baker makes $40 million, is he really worth that $40 million or can they get similar production from a quarterback that's going to make $10 million? And I think that's a decision that the Browns are going to have to make. I don't think they should give him that big contract. I think the Browns could be a quarterback, uh, a team on the look, look out for the quarterback, for a quarterback. The Eagles, you know, is Jalen Hurts going to be the quarterback there next year? I don't know. Washington is in need of a quarterback. What's going to happen with Russell Wilson in Seattle? Is he going to st- stick around, especially if the Seahawks either don't make the postseason or get bounced out really early in the postseason? The Lions are going to need a quarterback. Like, there's a lot of teams here that need quarterbacks. And so, there will be people. Washington, the football team. There's going to be teams that are going to trade that farm for Deshaun Watson. Uh, We had the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Sorry, going back. The Dolphins, dumpster fire, Brian Flores, is mo- if the team continues to play the way that they are, they're going to get fired. Tua Tagovailoa just doesn't look like the guy. Now, I kind of feel bad for Tua because how the hell can we judge him when he's only started less than a full calendar year as a, as a quarterback for the Dolphins? Like, how can we judge him based off of less than a full? He hasn't played the full 16, 17 games. I think he's played something started like something like 12, 13 games. And then last year they were doing the herky-jerky thing where they were pulling him out and, you know, Fitzpatrick is coming in. And they've just mismanaged that entire situation there in, with the Dolphins. But where the mismanagement started to, to begin with is they passed up Tua 
they they passed up on Justin Herbert to draft Tua. And I know it's Monday, that's Monday morning quarterbacking, but I'm just a talking head. Those motherfuckers get paid to make those decisions. And if they make bad decisions, I'm going to be here to shit on them for making bad decisions. And that's what the Miami Dolphins did. Moving on, I think a lot of us had the Steelers dead in the water. They've now reeled off three straight wins, and now they're five and three. Which, to be honest, backtracking a little bit, makes those early Raider wins seem that more impressive. Think about it. The Raiders beat Baltimore, and Baltimore's six and two. The Raiders beat the Steelers, and they're five and three. The Raiders have beaten some pretty good football teams. Now they've laid some eggs against some pretty bad ones. I mean, you look at the Giants and you look at the Bears that not even the 49ers, that even the 49ers beat. But everyone had Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers dead in the water. Everyone had Mike Tomlin on the hot seat. Oh, he's going to go to the USC. (laughs) Come on, guys. I hear a lot of hate from Mike Tomlin, but there has there been a more consistent fucking head coach in the league than Mike Tomlin? He just passed Bill Cowher for most wins and for second most wins in that franchise history. Now, does he play inspiring? He plays old school, grounded out football. Some people don't like that, so that's why I think he gets a lot of criticism. But I think the Steelers, if their defense continues to play the way that they are playing, you might have a team there. That, that uh, could possibly make the postseason. I had them initially out of the postseason, but uh, they're slowly reeling me back in. Now, a big surprise team that's kind of uh, taken a step back these last couple weeks, especially with the loss to the Jets, and then now the loss this week to the Browns, the Bengals. They were 5-2, and two, first in their division. Now they're in last place. Funny how things can turn in two weeks. Joe Burrow's still a guy there. Jamar Chase is a guy there. I just don't know if their head coach is good enough. I think they need to get a new head coach in there, but that that's an interesting decision to make when you know your team has shown vast improvement in, in your third year there, especially with Joe Burrow in there. Uh, speaking of Joe Burrow and speaking of quarterbacks, If somebody told you that the Atlanta Falcons were 4-4, and would you fucking believe it? They're getting outscored by 45 points this year. And they're in prime position there for the wildcard spot. Like I said earlier, the teams fighting for wildcard spots here are the 49ers that are 3-5 are teams like the 49ers and Seahawks. Three and six teams and Vikings. Three and six teams like Chicago, the Giants, and the Eagles. And then you have the Falcons at four and four, the Saints at five and three. Then you have the lowly Panthers at four and five. <laughs> the NFC is not talented, folks. That those last two wild card spots are for the freaking taking. And especially now that Jameis Winston is out for the year, and 
the Saints have to now play with Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, whoever the hell it's going to be. That team, the Saints, which was the surprise team of the year because, I mean, Sean Payton, give him his flowers. The guy had them at 5-2 and two, coming off a big win against Tom Brady. Now they have Trevor Simeon in there. Taysom Hill, I don't know what's going to happen there. I think when you have, if anybody can coach that team up, it'll be him, but it's going to be tough sledding because Trevor Simeon, dating back to his Bronco years, not a very good quarterback. Taysom Hill showed some stuff last year, but he's not really a quarterback. Going back to the Falcons here, there might be the most unimpressive 4-4 four four team I've ever seen. It's a team without Calvin Ridley, a team that has no running game, I mean, they do have, out of necessity, out of desperation, Cordell Patterson is kind of their pseudo-running back wide receiver there. He's been killing it in fantasy for me. But a team that's was surprising earlier in the year, the Carolina Panthers at 3-0. They started the season 3-0. They're now 4-5. and And their supposed... Offensive guru Joe Brady has not been able to turn around Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is who we thought he was. Is who the draft who the Jets thought he was. Or I guess not because they drafted him number one overall. But what I'm saying is he's the quarterback that was with the Jets. He's not that good. And for an for an owner in David Tepper, who's the richest owner, I believe, in the NFL. So that's shocking to say, isn't it? The, t- the the owner that owns the Carolina Panthers is the richest owner in the NFL. He's desperate for a quarterback. If there's any team that's going to be desperate to throw so many draft picks at Deshaun Watson, it's going to be that guy. Clemson ain't too far from Carolina. So he Deshaun Watson has some love out there. But man... For a team that was 3-0 to be 4-5, and now I'm hearing rumblings that their coach might be on the hot seat who signed a massive deal coming out of Baylor from college. It was something like a six-year, $80 million deal. And they brought in like a, the guru, the Joe Burrow whisperer from LSU, Joe Brady. And they haven't been able to do shit with Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. Granted, it is Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. Not very two talented guys. And they kind of, because they tied their horse to Sam Darnold, they didn't draft a quarterback in this year's draft. That owner's going to be desperate, and he's going to try to uh, get a big-time quarterback in there, is my thoughts. Uh, Last few points here. The New York Football Giants impressive win against the the uh, the Raiders. They came off of a narrow loss to Kansas City. They're just they're just another mad team, and in New York, when you're a mad team, especially when you're a guy, and I've been harping on this all year. Joe Judge is not a very good head coach. 
their GM, not a very good head coach, uh, not a very good general manager. In fact, I think the GM will probably go, and then they probably hire a GM who's going to be the boss of Joe Judge, but then that's a weird scenario because then you hire a GM, he's probably going to want a new quarterback, he's probably going to want a new head coach. So what happens there? That Giants team, man, for all the high-priced free agents that they brought in this offseason, Kenny Galladay, waste of space. Now, Daniel Jones has been kind of playing decent, but... It's easy to play decent when you're playing from behind quite frequently. That's why he's stacking up these yards. He's like top 10 in passing yards in the NFL. Uh, the Vikings, another unimpressive team. A team with so much talent on the offensive side of the ball, but just a team that can't get it out of its own way. I thought for sure they were going to come out on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago against the Cowboys without Deshaun, without a... Uh, without uh, Dak Prescott and, you know, win that game at home. They look terrible. Kirk Cousins, Kirk not-so-prime-time Cousins, awful. Now, Kirk Cousins can put up yards against the Lions and the Bears, but when it comes against the Packers, the fuck, a, a team that's legit, the guy just crumbles under pressure. And that's been the narrative his entire career, and it continues to be the narrative. But the Vikings have so much talent on that offensive side of the ball. Tyler Conklin, Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. And they just and, and and their head coach just can't figure out how to get them in prime position to win. That's a team that should be in the wild. In fact, they should have hired Kevin Stefanski and fired Mike Zimmer because now the Browns have Stefanski. And he's probably and he looks like a guy. He's probably going to be their head coach for a very long time. I think that's it for the NFL for me. Uh, real quickly, I want to touch on the NBA. Uh, real quickly, want to touch on not the NBA in general, but just the Lakers. The Lakers, as we speak today, are six and five. Uh, but it's not it's not an, an impressive six and five folks. They've had some stinkers in there. I'm talking about losing to teams like Houston, losing to Oklahoma City twice, losing to teams that they should have no business losing even if LeBron James is not present. because if you look at that team, they have Russell Westbrook. They have Dwight Howard. They have Anthony Davis. That in itself, right there, Carmelo Anthony. If you cannot win games with those names against those crappy teams that you're playing, then your team just is not very good. Russell Westbrook has been absolutely fucking pitiful this year. And I've watched damn near every Laker game. So it's not coming from a... A place of like, well, you're just looking at the box scores. No, I've watched the fucking games. And when the Lakers play a team that is somewhat legit, like the Suns or the Warriors, they get smacked. Now, 
the Warriors only beat them by seven, and the Suns beat them by ten, but those games were not even that close. These were garbage time points that were put forward by the Lakers. And these two games actually were with LeBron. And then they started then they started losing the shit teams like the Rockets and and the Thunder. And I know yesterday they pushed it to OT against the Hornets, who started off hot and now they're five and seven. Lamel Ball can't be doing everything on his own. And I think that team needs to, especially if LeBron misses the next month, which is rumored out there. I don't know if that's factual. LeBron's one of those guys that kind of heals quicker than he probably should. But anybody with two fucking working eyes could see that this was going to be problems with the Lakers. The Lakers' strong point last year was that they could defend the fuck out of the ball. They were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And what do they do? They get rid of KCP. They get rid of old white boy there, balding white boy, the goat. I forget his damn name, but he went to Chicago. And they replace him with guys that can't defend, like Russell Westbrook, like Carmelo Anthony. Like these guys cannot defend. And then you have Anthony Davis, who just seems to be injured every single fucking or get some nagging injury. It seems like he's been toughing it out, though. Because you can't have LeBron and Anthony Davis miss games. And anybody with two fucking working eyes could see that this wasn't going to be a disaster. Or this wasn't going to work. They certainly, most likely, will definitely make the postseason. But are they going to win a postseason matchup? Are they going to win a series? I don't know. This point in time, it's very early in the season. I don't think they they will. Russell Westbrook doesn't fit on that team. He's a turnover machine. He doesn't pass the ball enough. Now he stacks up these stats, triple doubles here and there, blah 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 blah. But he doesn't defend, and he turn turns over the ball so much. Those are two fatal errors that this team cannot rely upon. And his personality. There was a game, what was it? I, I think it was against either the Thunder or the Grizzlies. Can't, I can't quote it off the top of my head. Where I think he got ejected. So not only is he causing problems on the field, not you know, t- not defending, not you know, turning over the ball, now he's just being a head case. It things don't look good in, in, in for the Lakers for me. And this is and I hate the Lakers, by the way. I hope nothing but for them to fail. But this is me speaking from an objective perspective. They just don't look good. They're not the Lake Show at the moment. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see when LeBron comes back. But even when LeBron was there for those couple games, they were looking like a whale oiled machine. And how I get it, you need to let these guys synergy. They need to be able to sync up, link up, whatever. But the jury is still out. And when you bring in all these names, because it seemed like day after day, oh shit, looks like they brought in Dwight Howard. Oh shit, they brought in Russell Westbrook. Oh shit, they brought in Carmelo. When you bring in these big names, where the common NBA fan, and let's be honest here, most NBA fans are common NBA fans. They're not religious followers. They're going to think that your team is going to be stacked. <laughs> well, it ain't looking the case right now. 
And one more thing before I end this version of the podcast. Like I said, I'm not going to do a dumbass of the week. I'm not going to do a picks of the week this week. Canelo Alvarez. Now, anybody who knows me, I'm 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 not a big boxing guy. I I I watch the big main event fights, the Mayweather's, the Pacquiao's, who's retired by who's retired now, the Canelo fights. I don't watch these Friday night boxing matches put on by Premier Boxing on ESPN or on Fox or whatever. Probably should, but Canelo's a fucking monster. Like, this guy is what boxing needs at the moment. Boxers often get put into this category of like, oh, it's it's these street thugs that are always constantly in trouble and blah, blah, blah. You know, this guy ain't any of that. This guy's just a guy that shows up Says he's going to punch you in the mouth and beat your ass. Shows up the day of, of of Boxing Day. Beats your ass. And he goes up on his day. The guy is fucking talented. He's legit. I see a lot of hate out there from his own fucking community hating on him. I don't understand it. In fact, now... He's opening his his audience up more to the American audience because now he can fucking speak English. He's been taking some damn English classes. And I've always said, for him to gain a bigger strong stronghold of the American audience is to speak English. And I know that sounds xenophobic or whatever the fuck you want to pose it as, but I say the same thing in UFC with these Brazilian fighters or any fighters that don't speak English. The moment that you speak English, you open yourself up to a wider audience. And, man, there's no hate for me from Canelo. That guy's a fucking monster. Probably the best boxer I've I've seen. Uh, it, he's, I, it seems like he has fucking no flaw in his game. Caleb Plant just looked absolutely ordinary in front of him. And, I mean, this is a guy that's 21-0. Now, the one critique is, well, he's not boxing anybody. It's like, well, he can only box who the fuck is in front of him or who's competing in his division. I mean, it's not like he's going to go on up to heavyweight and fight fucking Tyson Fury. <laughs> I mean, that's just the lay of the land right now. And I'm not no boxing expert right now who's going to be able to tell you, well, he's going to box this guy who's up to par to his level. I don't think anybody's up to a par in his level at the moment. And probably will not be for a very long time. So I just wanted to put it out there. Canelo, all my respects. You're a fucking monster. All these new age boxing fans who are clamoring for Jake Paul to fight him <laughs> for what Canelo don't need to give that fool any more shine now speaking of Jake Paul I guess we'll see you know he's actually gonna fight a real boxer in Tyson Tyson Fury's brother but I mean I have my doubts as to whether those fights are actually really really legit I always have in the back of my head that in some shape or form boxing in is slightly rigged. But 
if there's any if there's an epitome of rigged fights, I mean sometimes it just looks like those Jake Paul fights are epitome of rigged fights. Now, I give the kid a little bit of credit. I call him a kid because he's actually younger than me. The dude is fucking like what, 23, 24. He is putting He's he is putting the, the, the news out there that hey, I'm giving these MMA guys an opportunity. They're making more money on my card than they were making at UFC. And that's a Dana White fucking problem. Because Dana White's a piece of shit and we all know that. But it's a it's a two side of the coin thing here. I think he's also doing a denigration to boxing by making boxing look foolish. Uh by making he's going out there and boxing these fools and he the 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 thought the thought out there is like, oh well boxing's easy and it's like, well, no it's not. And if he gets put in there with a real boxer like Canelo, he'll get his ass whipped. And he'll go back to making TikToks and Vines or whatever the fuck he does for a living in Puerto Rico. But that's my podcast of the week, folks. I just wanted to quickly touch on a, on a lot of topics. Primarily football, a little bit of baseball. I'm really excited for the baseball offseason. There might be a labor stoppage, actually. But I'm really excited to see what these teams are going to do. Um, I know, speaking for the Giants, uh, you know, sometimes as a fan of a team, you can have your blinders on. Speaking of the Giants, I never in a 100 years thought that they were going to have the season that they had this year. Um, I hope they continue the momentum. They have a lot of payroll to play with next year. They can actually compete with the Dodgers in terms of uh, throwing money around next year. A lot of com- contracts coming off the the payroll. Buster Posey retired. That's $19 million. Uh, Cueto, they declined his option. That's another $20 million, uh, off the books. And just a lot of other free agents that are, that are um, leaving as well. You know, their entire starting rotation for the most part. Um... But, you know, even touching on the 49ers, you know, it's been a tough year. I initially had them pegged as the wild card team, finishing second in that division behind the Rams. Obviously, I was very mistakenly, uh, very mistaken. Um, that's when sometimes the uh, the red tinted glasses come on. And uh, I would appreciate any of you who listen to this podcast to call my ass out on Twitter. Uh, not on Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. Twitter is a fucking cesspool. But on TikTok, on on uh, Instagram, like I, like I like to say, I'm an equal opportunity hater. I will hate on any team at any point. I'm just a talking head. I am not paid to make decisions. I react to decisions. I react to decisions that are made. I don't get paid to make these decisions. So when a team makes a horrible decision, they should be criticized. And I will be the one to criticize them. And my own teams are not faulty of that criticism. Uh, I'm going to try to come back to my regularly scheduled podcast times of releasing this thing on Wednesday. We got the holidays coming up. There might be some missed weeks here and there, but I'm pretty active on TikTok. Uh, pretty active on TikTok, pretty active on IG. Follow me on there for my hilarious, hilarious takes. Um, and... Uh, yeah, back. Yeah, guys. Uh, I I have a couple podcasts lined up coming up. I'll be guest hosting um, on a podcast, I believe, on the nineteenth, and I might be guest hosting on a podcast this Saturday. 
stay tuned for that. Keep an eye out on IG. I might post it up. I'll be guest hosting there. But keep an eye out on that. But without further ado, that is the podcast for today. Thank you for tuning in. Follow me on TikTok. Follow me on IG. Follow me on, listen to my podcast. You can find it everywhere. I'm back, baby. And I'm back and better than ever. Thank you all for listening. And until the next time, motherfuckers. Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review as well. And follow at the Angry Degenerate on Instagram and TikTok for all the latest updates, hot takes, shit talking, and of course, some high quality grade A trolling. Until next time. <laughs>